Hello, hello, and welcome to Streetwise, the podcast extension of the pitch from Kansas City. I am Brock Lobier, your host, and also the editor-in-chief of The Pitch. How is everyone doing? How are things out there? God, I think I know. Real bad, or at least real weird. Real weird, I think, applies to everyone. No one knows where to put the footing. Ah, complicated. Complicated time. What are we doing? Um, I will come back to... Everything that has happened in recent weeks around politics and so on and so forth, uh, a little down the line when we know things. First and foremost, the city voted overwhelmingly to protect statues of Andrew Jackson. Um, We'll come back to that one. That one's fine. Different thing. Different thing entirely. So um, many of you don't know me from before I worked at The Pitch. One of my big journalism achievements was in early 2017, I exposed the sex cult Nexium, uh, one of the first journalists to do so. Uh, you might know them at this point from the HBO show The Vow, uh, which is eight hours too long for what it needs to be. Still wonderful. Um, yeah, I uh, I did a thing. I, I uh, stumbled upon a cult, or, or more accurately, a cult stumbled upon me. They tried to give me a job, and every time I asked questions about said job, the answers sounded like a cult. Uh, they were non-answers that were like, hey, just like come hang out with us, and uh, you'll figure it out eventually. And I was like, no, I'm an adult man. I'm not going to show up into your weird compound in the middle of the woods. It It, it seems like you're projecting... Some weird vibes. I don't need to do that. Uh, so, yeah, uh, one of my big uh, achievements was uh, sharing that with the world uh, a few years before it caught on in a big way. And now everyone knows uh, about it. Uh, the big thing is that uh, in the last week, Keith Raniere, the weird cult leader uh, of Nixium, got 120 years in jail. Uh, he will die in jail. And it feels weird um, as a reward for having spent years working on this, because uh, I didn't just do the article. I spent two years working on a show for Audible and then a TV series. Uh, he, he's guilty. And now that guy goes to jail and dies in jail. And now I get to know that my words, the things that I wrote down one day, are responsible for a man's death. Inevitably, at some point. Like, it's it's fine. He has infinity money. He'll definitely, like, get out of jail at some point. But ostensibly he dies in jail and it feels good and you're like okay that is a complicated thing uh as a journalist maybe that is a thing that happens from time to time i was not ready for that sort of thing and so i'm like all right well where do i put those feelings and the where the where that i put those feelings is um good well good uh couldn't happen to a nicer guy neat uh but the rest of it is that it is a very complicated thing because that world and the cult and everyone involved in it, um, it spirals and people are better or worse people based on things that they did and who knows what it takes to get somebody out of it. The The overwhelming experience I had from working with this group was that um, I think in, in your head you think that people that would fall for a cult, especially in the last 10 years, must be goddamn stupid. And and the truth of the matter is that almost everyone I talk to is smarter than me. Good people, good people that are smarter than me, and they fell for 
a pitch that was like, hey, do you want to do something that is good that matters? And yeah, uh, I would fall for that. I, I think most of us would at this point. Like you look at this world, you look at how bad things are, and if somebody were to promise in a way that you believed that your work would be good and would help people, you would take it. Uh, it is literally why I'm the editor of the pitch right now, because <laughs> I believed the same sort of idea. Um, so some people were tricked by that, and a lot of them are out now, and it is good and nice and uh, just a cool thing. But also, it is just so nice to see the guy responsible for it going to jail for death forever. Um, ostensibly, hopefully. It feels good. It, it, it is such the weird uh, end to a piece of homework. I worked on this for four years, and then uh, someday somebody comes up to you and they're like, hey, your, your grade was an A-, minus, and also, this guy's probably going to die because of what you wrote. And I'm like, okay, well... Uh, then I guess I made my case. It is what it is. Chip, chop, chip. There we go. Anyway, uh, today uh, we have a really excellent episode of the Streetwise podcast. We have a talk with Regina Daniel, who has a new book called Abandoned Kansas City, Forgotten, Brought to Light, uh, which spotlights places around KC that are abandoned buildings. Uh, it's really cool. It's a great book. Um, we have Nick's Music Corner, but before that... Our friend Jason is reading off a couple of our editorial spots for a Best of KC 2020. Uh, so here they go. Best of KC, Our Picks, by Liz Cook, April Fleming, Oren Gray, Allison Harris, Joseph Hernandez, Deborah Hirsch, Kelsey McKenney, Abby Olchese, Barbara Shelley, Nick Spacek, Brock Wilbur. Team Wins National Competition causes small ruckus. Chief's kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit, Mitch Holthus shouted. The Kansas City Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 54. It's been 50 years in the making, and while the world's gone to absolute shit since the Chiefs defeated the San Francisco 49ers on February 2nd, at least we got to have one truly perfect moment. The countless videos of fans going rabid at power and light and around the city as the game concluded is a once-in-a-lifetime feeling. We're glad that no one has photos or videos of our personal reactions to the victory. Some of us were, well, we were a lot. The ride the team took us on for the 2019 season is one we'll never forget. While starting strong, we were dragged back down to earth by the two strange losses to the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans, followed by a dislocated right kneecap to Kansas City's King Patrick Mahomes on October 17th against the Denver Broncos. Remember that? Remember when we made a high school football coach our quarterback for a while and he did a goddamned amazing job? Then Mahomes came back like nothing happened, and other than the loss to the Tennessee Titans in his first game since the injury, things returned to our normal rate of obliterating our opponents. The three straight double-digit playoff comebacks against the Texans, Titans, and 49ers felt like a walk in the park to the team, but for the fans, it resembled the Mamba at Worlds of Fun. Scary, but 100% worth it. Would ride again. Highest recommendation. Our current season is shaping a path towards mega victory yet again. Does it feel weird watching them play in front of 16,000 fans instead of 72,000 fans? Absolutely. Does it feel like something that shouldn't be happening right now given the likelihood of an outbreak? Probably. But the fact that it's happening is giving us a rush of normalcy that we need to make it through this hellscape. Nothing, 
and I mean nothing, has brought the city together like Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones, and the rest of the team. Here's hoping that the next decade keeps that same lineup. Will we win this year's Super Bowl? If the season gets that far, absolutely yes. And if not, we're not sure, but we think that means we just remain undefeated Super Bowl champions indefinitely. Long may we reign. As a footnote, scientists say that if the 49ers had won and had a victory parade, the infection rate from the recently arrived coronavirus would have been a disaster with a death toll. So we're still waiting on that thank you from San Francisco for kicking their ass and saving their lives all at once. Justice Gatson is fighting for a better tomorrow. When Black Lives Matter protests arose across the streets of Kansas City this June, it lit a fire in our community to stand up and be better for black Kansas Cityans. But that fire has been burning a lot longer for many, including Justice Gatson, a social justice activist who deserves much of the credit for where we are today. Gatson is a social justice doula, activist, and organizer. In 2008, Gatson founded the Real Justice Network, and since then has launched the first black-led bail fund in Missouri and Kansas, worked as a core organizer with One Struggle KC, supported local mothers both as a doula and in fighting for others to keep custody of their children, organized 2019's Inclusive Women's Rally, and helped pass Kansas City's Crown Act, which bans discrimination based on natural hair, all while working at the ACLU. What we're trying to say is Gatson has been fighting for a better Kansas City for years, and her work deserves all the recognition, support, and celebration we can give. Black women have always been at the forefront of Kansas City activism, and the fight is not over yet. But listening to and supporting women like Gatson, giving a helping hand when it's needed, is what will bring a brighter tomorrow. The astonishing prolificity of quarantined musicians puts the rest of us to shame. Thanks to Bandcamp Fridays, wherein the music hosting and streaming site waives all their fees the first Friday of each month, musical artists were presented with a real incentive to regularly release music over the course of the last year. While it seemed like every month brought a robust collection of local artists' new tunes, there were a few who really seemed to embrace the possibilities of monthly hordes looking to support musicians. Lawrence's Till Willis dropped new music every month, be it on his own, as part of Erratic Cowboy Full Band Project, or as Solo Hawk, the acoustic duo he has with Steve Faceman. Willis wasn't content to stick to singles either, releasing a live album each with Solo Hawk and Erratic Cowboy as well, live at the Wright Opera House and live at KVPH, respectively. No mean feat. Then came Brandon Phillips and the Conditions Summer Singles Series, where the power pop group dropped a new cut every single month on Bandcamp, SoundCloud, and even a music video for the soulful Sunrise. The welcome regularity of what we knew would be a jam, even if we didn't know the tempo or the topic, made BP plus TC's socials a must-watch for months. And finally, while Jason Beers is prolific even outside of a pandemic, at the time of this writing, the genre-hopping musician had already dropped 12 albums on Bandcamp this year, ranging from fuzzed-out 60s biker movie worship to a Halloween album to several lost recordings from the fictional Quilt Records. It's an embarrassment of riches. Casey Glory Tackle Our Next Citywide Obsession When does women's professional sports come back to KC? The answer is already here. You just haven't heard of it. The Kansas City Glory, associated with the Women's National Football Conference, began its journey in 2019 to be the area's premier opportunity for women in football. The team hasn't played due to COVID-19, but this is a team that can be a cornerstone for Kansas City sports. Glory President Vicki Kestermont was inspired by watching the Kansas City Titans, a former women's pro football team. She was in awe at seeing women compete at such an intense level. Through word of mouth, the participation and excitement for the Glory has grown. 
mentioning Kansas City's women's football team lights up everyone's eyes. City council members were intrigued by the prospect, and the team's executive board have met with the Chiefs on multiple occasions, who have shown a lot of interest in the team and the growth of women's football. It's the natural progression of women's sports. I have no doubts that our city will be full and that the Kansas City glory will be very well known, Kestermont says. These ladies are pumped and ready to play and continue working out to prepare for the 2021 season. We're just waiting for our opportunity to buy some merch and watch these absolute warriors smash the competition on the gridiron. To glory. Graffiti Attic goes from apocalyptic scares to end-of-the-world galleria. One year ago in the summer of 2019, Levi Thomas and partner John O'Connor opened Survive KC, an interactive maze. Part zombie-infested haunted house and part escape room with a laser tag twist, Survive KC let Kansas Cityans use realistic laser rifles to hunt living dead zombies hiding in a maze built on the seventh floor of historic Union Station. Then, post-pandemic, it took on a new life. Thomas noticed that he had a half mile of bare wall, and so he posted a call in local art groups, declaring the wall open to all. I realize that there is literally no place that is safe for street artists to paint in Kansas City, Thomas says. His open E invitation received 100,000 views, and more than 200 artists showed up in the initial weeks to overcome their lockdown boredom, while continuing to pursue street art in a legal and socially distanced way. The zombie shooter staging ground became an artist's commune. Now the artists involved are bringing supplies and helping teach kids from the community about how to use paintbrushes and spray can to create specific effects. We love seeing the next generation of creators get mentored in such a bizarre locale. If you're planning to stop by Union Station for any of its other huge gallery shows, give yourself the gift of a trip to the seventh floor. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Nick's Music Corner. Hello, I'm Nick Spasic, music editor for The Pitch, here with this week's local music recommendation. This is me, the debut album from Amber Underwood, under her performance name of Flute Nastiness, dropped the last week of October. There's a great interview I did with Underwood up at The Pitch's site right now, and we go into detail about the flautist educational career and how it intersects with her music. However, if you haven't checked out This Is Me, we're happy to present one of the album's more banger cuts. The album features smooth and laid-back jazzy pieces, but there are also full-on booty-poppin' numbers like this one, Alter Ego, which deserves to be placed at the top of the list of songs we want blasted in a club when we can go back out and dance. Underwood's flute provides energetic counterpoint to the booming bassline, courtesy producer Desmond Mason, that makes you need to move. You can find This Is Me via most streaming services or purchase it at flutenastiness.bandcamp.com. Here's Alter Ego.
So this is me talking to Regina Daniel and Regina has written a book called Abandoned Kansas City, Forgotten, Brought to Light. Uh, it's actually, we're talking about the first issue of this. There's more than one volume of it out now. Uh, she goes around and she shoots photos of various places around KC that uh, have been abandoned, that are falling apart before anyone can demolish them or turn them into condos. It's a really goddamn cool book. Uh, and this is our conversation about what you can find in KC before it goes away. Regina Daniel, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the invite. Uh, would you introduce yourself to the audience? Uh, I'm Regina Daniel, and I'm the author of Abandoned Kansas City. And Abandoned Kansas City, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't know if I could you know, say my other books or not, but I have done uh, a second volume to Abandoned Kansas City, and I also did Abandoned Picture Oklahoma, the most toxic town in America. Sorry, what what makes it so toxic? <laughs> um, it's uh, all of the mining byproduct that was left behind that um, the community tried to be resourceful with, like the rock byproduct by making streets and playgrounds, and in their attempt to be resourceful, they actually just spread the contamination around. So uh, the contamination is in the dirt, the water, uh, the dust particles float in the air. So just all of it, uh, just all around is toxic from the air to the ground. <laughs> that, is, that is so unfortunate that somebody was trying to be progressive and thoughtful and, and make the best of a situation. And, wound up poisoning themselves. Oh, that's, uh, boy, yes. very, very, very Roswell, New Mexico, water contamination sort of stuff. The smartest people in the world. Boy, that's a, well, okay, got to get all these. But uh, today we're going to talk mostly about Kansas City instead, which I hope is less poisonous in some ways. Um, yeah, I was, I was excited to read your book because uh, my wife and I moved here two, three years ago. And I remember when we got here, one of the first things we noticed when we were looking for a place was that, um, Almost everywhere we were looking at uh, seemed to be some sort of refurbished old-timey schoolhouse or bank or meat processing plant or something. I was like, oh, it seems like they're really uh, re reusing a lot of stuff here. And, and one of my first thoughts was like, I hope people are documenting what this was before a developer came in and made it into condos. Uh, so it's, uh, it's very exciting to see that that's what you've done. <laughs> um, actually, you know, uh, the – 
urbex uh, community in Kansas City, you know, has been doing a great job before I even came along and got in the game. Um, I've seen many places that I wish I would have gotten to through many of their photos on Instagram and other, you know, social media outlets. And um, I've just been fortunate enough to get uh, in the game, I guess, at the right time. Now, now, what inspired you to to start doing the Abandoned Kansas City project? Um, I, I really got my start in at Pitcher, Oklahoma, where I just kind of went as a curious onlooker, and at that point, I just got the bug, and um, I started researching places around KC. Um, I, yeah, uh, YouTube, anything I could look up, I was. I just fell down this rabbit hole, and I got me a list of places, and I just kind of started hitting the hitting the scene. What what is the you you mentioned that there was some that you wish that you could have been around early enough to catch. What's a what's a building or location that you you wish you could have seen before it was torn down or 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 something? Uh, I, oh, that's a good question. I'm gonna have to go with. Uh, any of the malls, but preferably Indian Springs Mall because I grew up in Wyandotte County and that was the mall we frequented when I was a kid. And then uh, as a teen, I moved up north of the river. So Metro North Mall would have also been a great place to had seen before. I mean, I've seen it through other pictures, but to document it and see it myself would have been... There, there's something uncanny about uh, entering the dead mall that was your childhood mall. It is... <laughs> It is one of those things that I, I, I think a lot of us, especially in the Midwest, have found some way to do, and it is it is deeply unsettling. I do not recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I saw the pictures that Seth Lawless put out of when he got into Metro North Mall, and those went very viral. And, yeah, it is a disheartening night and day comparison. We uh, we are about a block away from the, uh, the Knickerbocker Hotel building, uh, which uh, – Back in July, if you're if your local people uh, really really kid about this building, and it's been sort of up for demolition for a while. In fact, the the police were using it as like a SWAT training facility, uh, <laughs> and so yeah, really on the verge. But like the bones were there, and there was a lot of attempts by the community to try and save it. And uh, then they just decided they were going to start the demolition one day, and so there was supposed to be this this protest, and we were writing up like, hey, you know, we can come. There's one last day to try and protest, and the developers. I just uh, heard about that, and they were like, we don't want that bad publicity. So they just went ahead and started tearing down the building earlier that same day. And I was just like, that's just a, a real bad faith move right there. Uh, so I was I, fortunate enough, enough to get into the Knickerbocker uh, twice before nice. uh, it was gone, uh, once before the fire and once after the fire. Yeah, that's uh, – <laughs> It's a, yeah, a, 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 that's one of the first buildings that I've I've been at, like attached to out here and watched that happen to. And I was like, oh, I assume that that's a thing that like when you when you really care about the city and you're really invested here for a long period of time, that I will have other <laughs> buildings that I, I love and lose and feel the the pain of. And I imagine that that's something that you're you go through with much more frequency. Yes, it's an occupational hazard. <laughs> um, uh, this first volume here of, of Abandoned Kansas City, it's, uh, there's a part of it that I, I love that you documented because it's not what I would traditionally think of as like, you know, documenting sort of history of, of Kansas City 
in the same way, but it absolutely is because you document the demolition of Terminal A at our airport, uh, which is just a wildly fascinating thing, but it's also just so modern that it's like, well, what, I was like, oh, this is how you do document history. That is how it becomes history is that you, people write about it in this way and, and, and document these things before they go away forever. What was it like to, to spend time around uh, the, the demolition in progress on that one? Um, that one was, uh, I was very uh, proud to get that one. Um, but once again, just disheartening because it's like, it just seems like in a society that is so wrapped up in convenience nowadays, because everything is a push of a button, it just seems easier to tear it down and just restart over. They, I feel like preserving history is becoming a rarity. Right. Now, how did you develop your photography skills? Because this book is so gorgeous. <laughs> oh, um, I, I really... <laughs> I, just experience over time because like my first few places I look back on them now and they are just so rough because I would go in so inexperienced and so nervous that I would just kind of take what I could when I could and uh, now I try to give myself a chance to breathe line up my shots make sure I encompass everything that I want to in my visual storytelling so Really, it's just been a process of experience and tr a lot of trial and error. <laughs> is there a spot in Kansas City here that, like, you return to, like, that has a – is there any place that you go to just has a really positive vibe amongst all these, or is everything sort of sad? <laughs> um, not so much anymore um, because um, it has now gotten – tightened security, but um, I really loved going to Paul Robeson Middle School. Um, it was a Jewish community center before it became a middle school, but I just found that place so amazing uh, just because it was one of my first schools, but it offers so much. I mean, from an auditorium to a pool, gymnastics, a gymnasium on top of that, um, it, it as well as just the litany of classrooms, but to just to get to experience so much uh, difference in one building, um, I really had a soft spot for that place. And when you're going to these places, I, based on the the photos that I've seen of some of this, there were a few that I was like, I'm not sure I would feel comfortable standing on the roof of that building. Uh, do you ever feel like you're doing doing a bit of a of a dangerous tight rope walk with? Uh, some of the, the buildings you're in, or, is, or does everything mostly feel safe to you? Uh, every time I go into a place, there's always, you know, um, is everything secure? Are there homeless people staying there? Because I don't want to disturb anybody's home or, you know, where they're sleeping at the time, and which sure. that happens quite a bit. But it's, I think I have more structural concerns than I do homeless people or just somebody else being in there um so yeah there are many concerns but you just got to have good lighting good footing watch every step you take uh just kind of take all the precautions measures that you can doing what we do is there uh politically anything that you wish that the city was doing are there ordinances that you 
that that have been in talks that you think that they should be looking at? Are there are there protections that that you or groups that you work with would really like to see in front of the mayor? Um, I would like to see. Like I know um, there are quite a few places that I've explored that are still just sitting vacant because of you know historical tax credits that or or not granted to prospective buyers. And um, I guess I'm not sure if these people were offered or not offered these uh, tax credits. However, it, it would be nice to kind of see more incentive for people to buy historic buildings as opposed to just let's level it down or, you know, dare I say gentrify an area. I, I think you're allowed to say that. We certainly have that issue. <laughs> Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, I, I guess the final question here, uh, leaving behind forgotten places, what is your favorite building in KC that is operational? What is what is the most beautiful or interesting place uh, that, that you like to go? <laughs> um, I, I wish I – I see, I feel a little off guard because I don't know the name of the building, but it is the tallest building in Kansas City which is that uh, just the tall glass building. It used to be the Transamerica building back in the day, but I'm not exactly sure what it is today. Uh, and, but it is the tallest building in KC, and I would love an opportunity to just go to the top, kind of walk all four sides, um, and take some pictures and you know leave peacefully after that. I've gotten to do uh, the second and third tallest buildings in KC, and of course, City Hall has a free uh, observatory, 360 walkway around the 29th floor or 30th floor that you can walk around between 9 and 2 that's free. That also offers a pretty impressive uh, view of the city. But uh, yeah, it's either that one or the Power and Light building, which I was allowed to go up to their walkway a few years back and get some amazing shots. and. I'm afraid of heights, but it's still so peaceful, just that high up. I, I, I'm also afraid of heights, so I, I was I was stopped breathing there a little bit when you were talking about, like, the 29th floor, but, like, uh, it sounds like you find a way to overcome that. So, Also, I can't imagine a story that that outlines uh, more, more clearly why your work is important than uh, neither of us being able to remember the name of the tallest building in town because it keeps changing. <laughs> Right. I mean, it was Transamerica for so many years through the 90s and I think through the early 2000s, but uh, it's it's a multi-purpose building. Like, there are multiple companies in it, but it does have a particular name. But, you know, everybody knows it. It's right next to Power and Light building. It's the biggest, tallest, glassiest building we have in Kansas City. <laughs> Regina, where can people uh, find your work? Um, you can find it either through my uh, Facebook photography page at Red Victims Photography, or you can find them on Amazon or anywhere you can buy books online. I've had some people tell me they've gotten their books from Walmart.com, um, Target.com, so anywhere you can buy a book online. All right. You have yourself a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for your time. I appreciate the interview. And that is Streetwise from the podcast from Kansas City. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Brock Wilbur, your host and editor-in-chief. Uh, if you like what we're doing, check out The Pitch Kansas City, thepitchkc.com. Uh, we have so much work going up there. Uh, and if you have a couple of bucks to toss our way, please do. 
Our show is edited by Terrence Wiggins, somebody that you should hire. Jason from Stolen Dress Entertainment read our story. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, oh, if you want to buy a copy of the print of our Best of KC cover art, which is incredible, uh, just check out our website. We've got a link to that. We've got a couple of prints up for that. I bought one. Maybe you want to. It's really cool. And also, my face is on it, but also my dad. Pitch in, and we'll make it through. I have a bottle.